Welcome to This Guy's Sick. I am Sam Valentine, and today I'm being joined by my very good friend, John McMahon, a.k.a. This Is Loss, another member of the This Guy's Sick team. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I kind of miss when you used to introduce me with uh, chocolate titties. I can call you chocolate titties from now on for the rest of the episodes. I'll be like, hey, chocolate titties, how do you like <laughs> cyberpunk? We are talking about cyberpunk again. This is our second cyberpunk episode, and... You know, the ga- the game, I don't know about you, John, the game has consumed mm. a hell of a lot of my fucking time. I have, uh, I probably have like across two platforms, like 50 hours. Yes, I have a lot more. Um, on my first big playthrough where I went for most of the achievements, I have about 120 hours. Wow. And I've now started a second playthrough because I was trying to do everything. I was, I was hoping, the, there was rumors of a new game plus coming out and I was hoping that if I could fucking do as much as I can and then do a new game plus with all the fixes, I'll be super happy. Uh, that never came. The The new patch is out, but there is no new game plus involved. Right. Not yet, at least, maybe, uh, in the coming. Because they released that roadmap of what they want to uh, accomplish in the coming rest of this year and moving forward. The roadmap's a good place to start. Obviously, on the previous Cyberpunk episode, we did talk quite a lot about the glitches and the worst of the glitches for me are the performance issues and the shutdowns when the game just crashes uh that's probably the worst of it and they they have been trying to fix as much as they can this game is very much you know when uh, people use the phrase your eyes are bigger than your stomach yeah just ordered all this food and you can't finish it that's what cyberpunk is for CD Projekt Red. Their ambition was way beyond even top-end PCs at this point. They struggle. Yeah, I mean, um, I started playing it on PS4 Pro, and you're completely right. Uh, I know you are also still playing on Pro, right? PS4? Yeah. Yeah, so we were having like the same exact, uh, or close to the same issues at the same time, like when .104 was out, we were doing fine. Or when 1.04 was out, we were fine. When 1.05 came out, you and I both took a dip, and then 1.06 came out, the hotfix, and uh, our games were running more smoothly. Um, Now, having beaten the game on PS4 Pro, I haven't patched it yet, so I haven't done 1.1, but now I'm playing on PC, which my PC is pretty decent. Uh, it, It runs a lot more smoothly, but in some the glitches are different so in some areas like um i was playing uh the other night one of the first cyber psychos you have to face regina jones calls you to go take out lieutenant mower who's like a max tech or an ncpd official uh, who goes crazy due to cyber psychosis that map just that area that little area of the map if you're in it for more than two or three minutes your game will crash it happened to me like four times in a row outside of there game runs totally smoothly I know exactly what you mean. I've got, I've had some areas on the PS4 Pro. When I go near those areas, I know it's going to slow right down. And if I start opening menus and shit when I'm in there, it's going to crash. Mm-hmm. It's right. And it's glitchy on all these platforms, but in like different ways. But in different ways, it doesn't work. I can say that playing on PC, it's been a lot smoother. And not only does it look better, just because you have more options to play around with, and there's ray tracing, which is, uh, it's implemented pretty well, but it, it's uh, 
it runs a lot smoother. Like going in and out of the menu on PC is a pleasure. <laughs> like you don't realize how stuttered and uh, kind of slow the PlayStation 4, base PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 4 Pro version of the game is until you play on slightly better hardware. But you're right, like even with RTX on, I'm still squeezing maybe 60 out of it. That's actually a good point. I think we've hit a good point for what this episode could actually be about. And that's what went wrong with this game. Mm -hmm. Because I've been doing so much. Like like I said, it's been consuming my every thought. I've been listening to the fucking music. That music is fucking great. Yes, the music is great. Like I've been looking at like, oh, what was in the 2018 trailer? And like going, how the fuck? This is a different game, you know? Like, mm -hmm. And I'm looking at features that they've showed off that were cut. Like I'm looking at the concept art for fucking Silverhand, where he's got no beard and it's not Keanu Reeves. And it's like, they added him so late to the game. Like, there's so many things that went wrong on the, the roadmap right. to release date that I'd like to actually really touch on that because I think you've probably got quite a few things on your mind that you're, you've are you gone over and gone. Like, it isn't just a case of they released it way sooner. Like, there is clearly editorial issues and production issues that were going on behind the scenes that we don't know about that were going on as, as close as mid-2019. Well, if you look at the actual... The map size itself, while Night City is incredibly detailed, um, so is the world of, like, Red Dead Redemption. And it's wider. Um, so is Fallout 4. has an, a massive fucking open-world map, but we know how Bethesda likes to copy and paste. So while... The world of Night City is very detailed. It's still this thing where it's like, uh, that's not uh, what took all the time in development. Like this game was, had a plan to be out uh, at a certain point, And I think it was on track to do that. But it, like you touched on the Silverhand thing. There was a lot of talk on different social media platforms that when the idea to make, when, when Keanu did come on board, uh, the the decision to make him a more prominent role in the game prompted a lot of rewrites. Uh, then you have the implement, implementation of new technology, like NVIDIA coming to CD Projekt and giving them money and saying, like, you know, implement ray tracing and do that well, because we want to show that off. That caused more issues. So you had a game that was on probably on pace to be released in a working state uh, on par and even better than other games of its caliber to date, like Red Dead 2 or anything else. Uh, and then all of these like little pitfalls. And it, you're right, it's, it, it's a case of their eyes being too big for their stomach, their eyes being the uh, projected earnings, uh, which backfired, <laughs> as, as we now know. Yeah, and, and um, the Silverhand one is a really fascinating one for me. I'm glad he's in the game as much as he is because I think he's a fantastic character in it. I think that's the hook to the story. But if you go back to the 2018 trailer, there's no mention of Silverhand until nearer the end of it where they go, and now we're going to play, it's the radio that mentions him, that goes, now we're going to play a song by Johnny Silverhand who said goodbye to this universe one year ago today. And they play a song that is a completely different song to what we hear in the game as right. his music. And I was thinking, he must not have been involved in the fucking story at all. At that stage, so in August of 2018, Johnny Silverhand's story 
was not written for a game that was going to be out at that point two years later. That seems preposterous when you actually think about how much work needs to be put into writing a story and then actually developing the story as a programmer for the game. Yeah, I completely agree. Like, we don't know how much was written for the game that had to be scrapped then to accommodate the new story. And like, look, as far as the final product goes, like, thank God Keanu Reeves did a really good job and Johnny Silverhand is really well written. He's actually one of my favorite characters in the game that does have a number of really memorable characters. At the same time, uh, as I know you've been looking into it a lot, there's so much content that's been scrapped and that's only what we know has been scrapped. Like you were telling me about that, uh, the sixth part of the skill tree, like the sixth branch that you should have to develop was supposed to be for like the flathead originally, that little spider robot you get in one of the first missions yeah, in the game. So Shit like that, parkour, wall running. Originally that was meant to stay with you. The flathead was meant to, st- and like the way they set up getting the flathead and they tell you what it can do, like, and then you use it once and then you never use it again. One thing I will say though about that sixth skill tree, when you first start the game, it's not there until you beat Johnny. Oh, okay, right. So it comes in after you meet Johnny, then it appears. And I'm like, is this meant to be, like, was there something else planned for this? Because when you, if you go, again, back to the 2016 trailer, there are six skills, because you've got Constitution as one. That's not in the game. Constitution's not on there. But is there, like, a, was there meant to be a Johnny skill tree as well? Like, like what? what is this about? Like, what? What did they have planned for this? Or is this for a future DLC or what? Like, that's not there for no reason, but it it's never a good gets question. explained. It's a good question. Yeah. I mean, it, here's the thing about the uh, the content that was scrapped from the game. I'm convinced things were getting scrapped up until the last minute before this thing had to absolutely had to go out. Because the first time I did beat the game, um, I, skipped, uh, I skipped through the credits. And at the very end of the credits... Uh, it's the text of the credits is wrapped a certain way. So on the left, it's like uh, the names of the people or on the left is the company name and then in what they're responsible for. And on the right are the names of the people from that company or from that department that did the work. Uh, when you get to the very end of the credits, when it tells you you've beaten the game, now you can restart the game. Uh, from the last checkpoint before you meet uh, Hanako at Embers, like above that floating is the the template for how the text needs to be wrapped. And it's like, and it literally says on the left where the names are supposed to go, text that is really difficult to wrap. I mean, really difficult to wrap. And on the right, it says name zero, name one, name two. I'm not shitting you. Like, and that that is like the fucking, the credits of the game. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm not convinced. There's so much in the game that's so well done but there's been so much that was cut that again like i'm not sure i'm not convinced that things weren't cut up until the last minute like there's such a lack of attention to detail with some very blatantly obvious things that it leads me to believe that up until they had to get this thing out they were still scrapping stuff yeah no 100 like, like there's paths in the game there's like uh, story beats that never come into it again never ever reappear that are never mentioned again especially if you look at early game uh, if you look at um, Lizzie's bar and you look at the woman who runs Lizzie's bar and she comes and argues with Judy never see her again right yeah no not even mentioned again like 
and look at the gang implementation. The whole way through it, they set up this world where these gangs are in it. Then you 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 have nothing to do with them. They're just people that you can kill. You you have no story connection to any of them. It's like the Mox gang. You can't fight the Mox gang. If you ever see them on the street, you can't attack them. You can't hit them. Why? What what is it about the Mox gang that means you can't fight them? Because you like your Judy's friend, but like you you make friends with other people from other gangs. You can still fight them. You you can't fight the Moxes because was there a story there that, that has just been taken out of the game? That could even potentially be a political thing, maybe because that's they tend to be the sex workers in the game, and you even have a mission with Judy later where you try to retake uh, that strip cloud, uh, that strip joint clouds, I think it's called, uh, and you do that whole thing, and it's really about protecting the sex workers, and then one of them. One of the prostitutes like goes rogue and tries to take over and you got to kill that bitch and Judy's mad at you uh, or whatever. So I'm, I'm thinking that could potentially be a political thing, but you're right. There's a ton of... Um, like but the, even that mission goes nowhere. Right. Like, all right. So like, look at Carrie Uridine stuff. Like, I, I have a friend who really hates like Carrie as a character. I kind of like him because he's just so goofy I and like crazy. Him. But like, there's so... There's something there and it just dies like after a couple of missions it's like nothing more and it's like okay i kind of wanted to see where this was going like if he would grow a little bit more as a character or if he's just going to be an eternal man child and just stops yeah and that they do that with with quite a lot of the characters and that even when you get to end game uh like Vic, one of the best characters in the fucking game. One of my favorites. You barely yeah. speak to the guy. You, you just have nothing to do with him. Misty, you have nothing to do with her. Once once you do the funeral, you have nothing to do with Misty at all, unless you do the tarot card mission. The way this game is written, especially if you follow like a lot of Johnny's story, they don't strike me as the type of people that would left all this shit just hanging and right. not tie up all these loose ends. The game feels like they went we just don't have time to fucking have this finished so what can what is not intrigual to the main plot scrap it and you get that so i i can't say that witcher followed the same um uh same kind of format because i only played the first few hours of witcher like i I think Witcher's a cool game. Like, I think I could tell immediately that the writing was superb. The dialogue was great. Even the voice acting was good. Uh, the graphics were fine. I Like, I couldn't personally get into the combat too much. Um, but I could tell there was a good game there. So I did, even though I respect it, I didn't play too much of it. Um, so I can't say Cyberpunk does the same thing. But what Cyberpunk does do is it does something very different than, like, Bethesda titles do. Which is Bethesda titles, like Elder Scrolls or... Um, fallout will toss you into a world and it becomes very episodic you have these number of like big quest lines to do like if you're playing skyrim you have uh the, there's the main quest line yes but then you also have like a uh, dark brotherhood you have uh the thieves guild you have the companions and there are these big like long quest lines that are themselves each small uh, games or small series yeah, little story little scenarios yeah right and now what cyberpunk does conversely cyberpunk is like you have the big main quest line which is really good and then you have these little branching pads off of it judy is one pan am is another carrie is another johnny silverhand is another but they become more shallow the more you follow those branching paths so well, they're, that, they're they're like bite-sized they're not right so that was a problem i had like i 
When I first played, I did, like now on my second playthrough, I'm doing the female V just to like get that, uh, to see her perspective, uh, which is not the same as male V and we can come back to that later. But uh, like I, the way I see it, like from maybe it was because it was my first playthrough, like I like the male V playthrough and I felt like Pan Am really should have been a stronger part of that playthrough for me. And I know you like her a lot. I like her. I think she's fine. She was kind of boring to me and her quest tree ended abruptly. And then at the end, I was given the option to ask her and her friends for help. Like it didn't really feel built up to like it should have. It felt like to me, the Aldecaldos really should have had their own substantial quest line behind them more than anyone else in the game. I think they need it because and not actually rogue is another character that i think like when you get to those ending options it's like you go with yeah and and you do fuck all you do fuck all with her in game like you literally barely see her you can't go and do missions for her you can't build up any rapport as v with her at all she's just there and she's someone johnny used to know and then you can do some johnny missions with her and that's it and it which is a little odd if she's the top fixer in Night City and you are fast becoming one of the top mercenaries or top street samurai, right? Like it would, and, and you have fucking Johnny Silverhand, her ex-boyfriend in your skull. Like it, it wouldn't, it yeah. like, shouldn't you have more to do with her? It plus you have her ex-boyfriend in your fucking head. So d- wouldn't it make sense to have like at least a, a few missions with her to build up some kind of rapport? Like you were saying, yeah, and again, like her storyline with Adam Smasher, her hatred for him is is huge. Johnny, when you play as Johnny, when you give Johnny the reins for the final mission, he starts like kind of interrogating her about how she got to where she is. Yeah, she did a deal or whatever. Yeah, and it seems more like there was like a deal, a little more like metaphorically incestuous, kind of like I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. The first ending I got, that was Johnny's ending was that she actually died in that. Like, uh, She died in the Johnny ending I did, too. Yeah, you can save her. I think that's the one where you like wait on the options menu when you have to make the decision toward the end of the game, and then Johnny pipes up and he's like, I have another idea. I th- she'll live if you choose that one, but if you just jump the gun and do the stock Johnny ending, uh, Smasher busts through the door and he fucking explodes rogue like immediately i wonder if that's the same thing with saul i don't think you can save saul i don't think you can maybe because it's the same thing in the pan am ending where where he gets murked because if you do that ending with johnny he phones you up and he's like you're one of us now you're you're like remember that remember you're one Mm. of us you're part of the fucking aldecados you're a brother you're you know he's involved and i was like that's really weird because the Panam ending, that's where you needed that line. Like, it doesn't make sense to have that line on yeah. the other endings. Well, because he didn't go... Because in the Aldecaldo's ending, you he's an integral part of getting you into the um, the facility, the Arasaka facility, Makoji. So, and because you're with two people in that ending, like you are in the Johnny ending, you're with Rogue and... Uh, you're with the... the the black kid from Wayland. Pacifica, Wayland, who is like someone's son that used to know or whatever. But even that, they don't really tie up. Like, yeah, I don't even know who the father was. I don't know if maybe I missed I think it. he was on the mission. I think he's on Johnny's mission at the beginning. 
When Johnny Maybe. goes into the original yeah. Arasaka Tower, he's one of the guys there. Okay. I knew I knew it was somebody Johnny uh, knew. I just couldn't recall. But yeah, I mean, like Saul, uh, I think Saul dying in the Aldecaldo's ending is supposed to be more dramatic than it feels. But to me, I really didn't like the Aldecaldo's ending because it felt very conveniently written in rather than an organic merging of the two parties, one being the Aldecaldo's Aldecaldo's and the other being V. It felt more like we need to justify Pan Am in the ending and we need to justify V becoming like a nomad and this and that and the other thing. And uh, at the end, it, like in, in, in an attempt to reach for depth that wasn't really there, they killed off Saul. Um, but that exact thing you're saying is another reason why I think that there are missions missing. Yeah. There's context missing from the fucking Aldecado stuff, even with the death of Scorpion, right? You yeah. go to his funeral, and then Mitch goes, can you help me take his car? And we're going to... F- Why V? V fucking never met him. Yeah. You meet him at the beginning. I got the mission, and I never went, and then I missed it. Like, I didn't have the opportunity to go to Scorpion's thing there. So what you get is, like, what I'm what I'm gleaning from what we're coming up with, and I know you have done a lot of digging um, into other features that have been scrapped from the game, but it seems like they came in with a very general idea. We're just going to make this big open world... And they tried to make it as detailed as possible. Then when they got Keanu on board, they're like, all right, now let's really pump up the Silverhand character. So what you had was a very big rewrite about, what, a year or a year and a half out from when the game was supposed to be released. And then, so now the whole story really came together, but it needed at least another whole solid year of writing and fleshing out those quest lines and all of that. From the footage that you can find online, from the stuff, the, the videos they dropped, and I know it's work in progress, there was more with Jackie. There was more missions with Jackie at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, him, it was more of a, it seemed like a revenge story out for the revenge of Jackie's death. Yes. It looked like that's where it was heading, and none of that is in the game. A lot of the stuff with uh, Meredith Stout at the beginning when you go back and look at the old footage, you can have Jackie come with you on that mission, which is why they do they do a lie detector test on you to see if you're lying or not. In this game, and they, they go, are you on your own? And you can go, no, I've got backup. Or yes, I'm on my own. There's no context to that anymore because you haven't had the option to bring Jackie along. Like that was removed from the final game. It's, it's just, even in that moment, it gives you an option on the... Uh, gameplay 2018 trailer like you can run into that you can just go into that mission and start attacking them like you don't even have to talk to them you can just go in there and fight them that's gone you you can't just go in and start attacking them on the game like you have to go through the talking and the chatting before you make your decision um again in that moment of the game there are multiple ways out of the all foods factory there are different air different pathways you can go to leave it different they're gone there's literally one way out in the version we got and it's like that's if in 2018 there was all these branching options for the first mission why would you remove them by 2020 like what logical reason would you have for removing them unless it's because they lead to things that are never going to happen in the story now and so yeah that would be the one logical conclusion to reach is that it's to accommodate the new that's coming in um so let me ask you a question and this is kind of not exactly off topic, but would you like to see, have seen more of Jackie? Or, or are there any other characters 
that you felt like you didn't see enough of? Are there characters that you feel you saw too much of? Like, I know I would have loved to see more Victor and Mama Wells specifically. It almost feels like the fact that you don't have more contact with Mama Wells after Jackie dies and after is it's not criminal. It's like it's it's uh, it feels out of place. Like you, she almost looks at you as like a son at that point. Like, why do you not interact with her more? Yeah, there's no, like, even if you phone her, you don't really get many options to do shit. Like, there were points in the game where I would just drop in on people on the phone. Yeah. And then it gives me the, sh- it gives me the same options I had when I dropped in them at the start of the game. And I'm like, why would you not update this? Like, why would this not be updated for later in the game? Even if there are no more missions with these people. Like, it just opens up extra options. But then go, I saw on the news that someone did this. That wasn't you, was it? Or something. Like, just something. I, I agree with you, with, with Mama Wells. Like, you should have been doing stuff for her and her family. There should have been missions involving them and the Valentinos. Like, other than the Padre. There should have just been more. That felt like something that just disappeared. Missions involving Arasaka, I felt like there weren't enough. It's like they're meant to be a big bad, but they're not actually in the game for a long time. Especially not if you do the, uh, if you don't do the corpo beginning, then you have like no, which I really feel like is the canon beginning. I haven't done Nomad, but starting with corpo and ending with, say, Pan Am makes sense. There's like a progression there. It's like you start out as like a uh, futuristic uh, cyberpunk, like Christian Bale in American Psycho. What's his name? Patrick Bateman. Like you start off as that. Like that's what I tried to do my character up as. Like he had like a teal slick back and all like clean cut. And then he becomes this fucking through all of these developments. He becomes like this fucking nomad and runs off to New Mexico or Arizona or wherever the fuck they're going. But yeah, there should have definitely been more Arasaka and more like Biotechnica and Militech and the other corporations that we know are fucking evil. Yeah, they're just not in it. That didn't get their chance to be evil. So here's the thing, like when I was asking about like, who would you like to see more of? Who would you like to see less of? Jackie Wells specifically, like I didn't feel like I didn't get enough of him. I felt like I got enough of him. His death still weighed on me as I played through the game. Um, during my first playthrough, um, but definitely could have been more Mama Wells. The thing is, like sometimes when these writers try to give fans uh, more of what they want, it like it overstays its welcome. You know what I mean? So I don't know if like having more missions with Jackie would have been a good thing, even if they were intended from the beginning. I think if you look at their, they've got a crew. It's it's Jackie V and T Bug. Who you know nothing about. I think if there was just one or two missions. Yeah. Before Dex calls you up. Because when Dex calls you up, even the game says it. Why the fuck is he contacting us? Like, we're small fry. Why, like, we're going to make it to the big time where we're going to do a mission for him. Like, where have you earned, where have you as a character earned his his respect enough for him to want to contact you? In the cutscene where it shows you and Jackie like dancing and shit? Is that what you're meant <laughs> yeah. to take as like... And, and I just feel like this, and I think like that's the problem with the game. I really like the game. It's, it's probably the best game I've played in a long time. Hence the amount of hours I've fucking put into it. Hence why this is the second episode we're, we're doing on it. But I feel, I feel like there's just massive moments of just missing context throughout the entire game. 
um, from from where it be other characters, like you said. The relationship with Misty and Vic is non-existent after you, after the opening moments of the the real main game after meeting Johnny. Right, right. Here's the thing too: the more hours you now that I'm finding, so now having started my second playthrough, I'm like oh, maybe ten or more hours into it now. And I just went to start the Dex mission. Like there was that much shit for me to do before you ever even first make contact with uh, Dex and me, Evelyn and Judy and all that. So when I first played the game, I ran directly through the story. So it felt like everything was one very fluid thing. Now that I'm actually taking my time and doing everything there is to do, it's been a very long time since like I first talked to Jackie and since I went to actually meet deck so it's like you're right like what in that time i i I guess when you're actually it's hard to say it's like it's you kind of lose the interpersonal relationship but you yeah it makes more sense that dex would be contacting you i get it so it's it's weird it's um it's definitely something that i wrestled with when i first played the game was like it is a open world game and there's a, a a lot to do but it has a very like a linear concrete story it wants to tell so so that and everything else surrounding it is vague as fuck it is vague and so here's something else that complicates the issue it's a game that sells itself as one where you should be able to make a number of choices that impact the story but as you know uh, none of the choices you really make impact the story that much like some might give you another ending like the pan am stuff like you have to romance her to get be able to get her ending but you the only big choice you really have that actually makes an impact on anything is the end it's like everything it the game funnels you the entire time until the very end and then you make one big choice and that'll give you like potentially seven different endings so it's like the entire time you're playing it almost feels like what impact do you really have on the world? Not much. And that, if you look at the promises that they were making this whole time, it goes against everything they promised. I mean, right. hyping this game up, and I know they do it all the time. Gaming developers lie, they chat shit, or they make gestures and they say things that they want for it to be in the game that they really cannot accomplish. And cyberpunk unfortunately feels very much like one of those like there was so much stuff they wanted to do they just were not capable of accomplishing it and instead of coming clean about it on you know within the year for it to release that you know the vision for the game has actually changed a lot all this stuff we spoke about we've kind of condensed that we've gone more for one main story instead of coming clean they just kept on the facade that we were still getting everything that we'd seen so far. So then you get into the territory of the actual shady business practices uh, that CD Projekt Red themselves engaged in surrounding the release of the game um, that we all know very well now is not fucking ready to come out. The game still isn't done. Like People have been playing it for a month. You have 120 hours into it. The game's not done. You've been you've done 120 hours of beta testing is what you've done essentially. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so you have all the facts like they were um, not giving out review copies for consoles and only allowing media outlets. No, they invited people in. 
Oh, into what? To test the game on there? Into CD Projekt Red? They invited people to sit at PCs and play the game for a review. So it wasn't like a situation like nowadays, like if, uh, say, like a Square Enix game's coming out, like Near Replicant or something, uh, the, re- the remake of that, or the remaster, I'm sorry, of Near Replicant, like YouTubers, podcasters could get like a review copy of that, potentially. You know what I mean? Like that was not happening with uh, Cyberpunk. No, no one got sent a copy of Cyberpunk. They got invited to CD Projekt Red's little facility to play Cyberpunk for four hours. That's what happened. That's what the WWE do as well, apparently, with their game. They don't send the review copies out. They invite you in to play the copy in Orlando. They'll fly you out there, Every you know, YouTubers, Kotaku, all these people, and then you play it on their end. And then there's the embargo of what you can and can't say about the game until after release, which is another, you know, piece of shit thing that shouldn't happen. No one should stop. You shouldn't have to sign a waiver that says, I am legally not a, not allowed to mention glitches, bugs. like If that they, is even happening, which I'm sure, at least in some scenarios, it is, it is happening. Let's say it, that didn't even happen specifically here, because I don't know if it did or didn't with CD Projekt Red. There's still quid pro quo. There's still, uh, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. You know, these, these media outlets and these YouTubers, these uh, internet uh, personalities, people that are being looked at for honest information. Yeah, if you want access, play ball. Don't want to step on the toes of the company that's going to be signing a paycheck for them. They just don't. So there's an unspoken agreement there. It's like, I'm not going to say anything too bad about this product or game that you're coming out with. And in return, I will get money is <laughs> what it is. You see it really, really a lot with YouTubers where leading up to a game, they'll review it and they'll be like, yeah, it's really good. It's really fun. And then after the game comes out and they, they see a negative response online, they then make a video trashing the same game that four months ago you were telling everyone to buy. YouTubers, I think, are quite bad for it because I think if it was me, if I went to a review and I thought the game was shit, I wouldn't be releasing the video on it. Right. Right. Yeah. If I've had to sign something that says, don't mention glitches or whatever, don't mention um, that we've cut content or don't mention that uh, the weather mechanics are shit or whatever it is in it. Then you can't. Then you have nothing to talk about yeah. if it's that bad. If, if I went there, I just wouldn't release the video. I, or, or I'd release a video going, I have played this game. There are certain things I can and can't say as a result of it. So I'm going to wait until the game's out. If you want to hear my actual opinion on it, wait until release date if you want to have a decision on whether to buy it before or after wait until my review if you value my opinion i think that's how i would play it if i thought a game was a pile of shit if i went there and i thought it was good i'd put a video out saying it's good there has been a ton of back uh back pedaling especially in uh, on the youtube platform even from people who didn't have an opportunity to really play the game just people who followed it and were hyping were a part of that big hype train for the release of the game, then the game came out and they were some of the first people again to jump on it and be like, no, this game is absolutely terrible. It's shit. It's a bunch of hype beasts, really. Yeah. And, Just people chasing and, a story. Man, um, what this what this will go down as, worse than any other game I've played that's had a big hype chain behind it where there has been a letdown, what this marks for in history for me is a game that even after playing it, with its problems, the potential for this to be one of the best experiences you could actually have in a video game 
is still in the game. The potential is still there. It's just locked off. It's hidden. It's like you can't actually get to it. And yeah, especially getting to end game where I was like just finding little missions and stuff to do, going around and buying the fucking cars and stuff. And because I'd done everything else, I was like, there is nothing. Once you do that final mission, there is nothing that you can do after that moment that you cannot do before that moment. There's just nothing there. And I'm like, most games that have like a continuation, may, may, it, may, whether it be one or two little missions, phone calls, whatever, like there's nothing in this game. And it just strikes me as like, this is bizarre. There's no new, there's not even new game plus. There's like, there's nothing there once you do the content that is available from the minute you turn the fucking thing on. Once you finish the final mission, there's nothing extra. There's no Easter eggs. It's just, that's it. The game is finished. Um, and all the stuff that you saw in trailers and stuff is gone. Right. And yeah, that's that's about it. And all those garages that have got red lights above it, which indicate throughout the rest of the game as things you can open and you can't get in there and you can see them on the map, all that stuff, sorry, it's just not there. Which is a li- which was a little disheartening, actually getting out and truly exploring the world outside of uh, just following the main story. There are so many locked doors. So it's like you do have this giant intricate world, but it's like how much of it can you interact with more than in, say, Grand Theft Auto, for sure, but like how much how much more? So, and then like the DLC, like in terms of what you can expect uh, from DLC packages, what they're going to add to the game, they're not. They're probably not going to go back and add that sixth part of the skill tree, right? They're probably not going to do that. Now they'll unlock a locked area of Night City, one of those places that tells you, uh, you know, there's nothing out here for you just yet. Like you'll be able to go there, um, and then maybe hopefully a new game plus. But what else? Like it's they've already kind of boxed themselves into this corner of this is what the game is. You know, unless it's a No Man's Sky situation where they go back and they keep. It could be. And what I'm adding shit. what I'm thinking is there's no mention of paid DLCs anywhere. Now paid DLCs if you look at what they did with The Witcher, are basically another full-sized game's worth of campaign. That's what that's what you get from from a CD Projekt Red game. They released two or three huge, game-changing, paid DLCs. The free DLCs, the DLCs that they're going to be coming out in the next four months or so, um, there's two of them. I think that is the cut content. That's what the free DLCs are. Which is not like DLC. That's the rest of the game. Yeah. that you. Which is for. why they're free. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's just that, putting... that's, that's why they're free. Yeah. They're, they're going <laughs> to yeah. re-add all the cut content. And it will probably come with a new game plus. So that when you do a new game plus, you go, oh, there's two extra missions with Jackie before this bit. Oh, there's more rogue stuff. Oh, there's more rooms. There's more doors. There's more loot. There's, there's more customizable options that were in the fucking trailer a hundred different haircuts that are just gone from the fucking game. Like, right. And my thing is like, I would be surprised if they really went back and added missions for Jackie or rogue. I would think you would get like a new contact, like a new fixer in a new area and additional missions and stuff to do in this new area. Um, or unlocking, maybe going back and unlocking doors that were previously locked and adding to what is already, on the map, because the map is quite massive uh, horizontally and vertically. It really is. But there is also 
that element of shallowness to it where there's only so much of it that you can really explore. Um, but now you have this thing where it's like, as somebody brought up to me, a lot of the stuff there is to do in the game is mostly missions where you go around and either shoot the bad guy or you hack the bad guy or you just kill the bad guys. And there's a lot of permutations and iterations of that. So is there, and I don't think in any kind of DLC, we're going to get like a new game mode, like where you can do different stuff, just more areas where stuff. you can do more of the same. So is that, so that's great. And I'm not saying there can't be really good story to come along with that. Like closure to, for V maybe, which is what pissed me most, pissed me off most about the endings, how there's really no distinct closure one way or the other. Um, so I'm not saying there can't be good story behind it, but in terms of what to actually expect, I think it's going to be more of, uh, what we've already got. Yeah. Just, and just more. man, again, talking about stuff that's missing from it. This is a city that's meant to be alive. Where's places where these people, like where are places where you just find people hanging out, gambling that you can join in mini games, like even things down to like doing the racing, right? right. the racing missions with Claire. There's like four of them. And that's it. You can't join other street races. You can't find other things. To, it's just non-existent. And I can, even if you look at Grand Theft Auto V, there's like hundreds of that shit to do. Then you also have the issue with, um, first of all, the police system, which is absolutely <laughs> fucking dog shit, whether you're playing on uh, console or you're playing on PC. And they're dog shit uh, in different ways. When I was playing on PS4, I would notice that I could shoot exactly three cops in the face move exactly five feet in any direction and then my stars were gone i was just not guilty anymore um i don't know if that's because i was playing a caucasian character or if that's just because i reckon it's so if you if you've made a black character you can't even go near them <laughs> now on pc when you're playing you will get in trouble for nothing for obeying like traffic laws you'll get in trouble like you can do you can do literally nothing wrong and you'll just get a star illegal activity reported uh warrant issued right so it's like yeah that so i get that on the ps4 pro since the update today um i will walk like close to a police officer and they just trigger on me at once my favorite my absolute favorite is the missions where the the ncpd scanner missions Sometimes, like, the cops are not there, and you're just expected to do their job for them. Fine, whatever. They pay you. Uh, then sometimes they are there, and they're in an active shootout. Like, the cops are in an active shootout with, like, Maelstrom or whoever. And you hop in, and you help them, and you don't shoot any cops, and then the fucking cops turn on you. <laughs> as soon as the Maelstrom guys are dead, they attack you, and you're like, what's so the you fuck? Shoot them, this is not you drive seven feet away, and you're clear. And... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just kill everybody and leave. The way, the way I do it to get out of it is I yeah. open the menu, I do some crafting or something, I come out the menu oh, and really? I'm no longer okay. stars. Because if you're, if you're playing on PC, you will still have the stars. You have to leave, and then in some instances, it's almost a Grand Theft Auto thing where I got caught in this loop. Actually, when I went to start the Dex mission now in my second playthrough, where I accidentally ran a guy over uh, right next to where dex's car was because i drove to see him and i drove away from the scene and my stars went away and then i came back to the scene and my stars reappeared so i had to like get rid of my car 
like blow it up and then get a new car, which was the same make and model car. I just, I blew my car up with grenades and then I ordered a new car on the service and then I drove back and it was fine. Um, so there, but it's like the entire cop system and the police stars wanted system is fucking jank. Then you have like, you're, you're the gangs. Like you can't, do you have any real tangible affiliation with one or the other? You know what I mean? No, no real aggro, right? Like sometimes if you just come off of a mission where you had to fuck up Maelstrom, like if you stay in that area, like Maelstrom will attack you, but it's nothing like long lasting, it's not like a Fallout New Vegas thing. I think that's down to the fact that, like, there are bodies around of Maelstrom. That's how it works. If right. you kill one, any of them in the any of them in a certain radius of the dead body are looking for you. I think that's how it works. Right. That's a good point. Because I've been playing around with that a lot, and um, I had it where I was basically farming shit. I was in an area where the Valentinos are, and it's near where Jackie's bike is like all this area here they're in groups of three basically every 20 foot in this alleyway in this loop and by the time i've killed the first ones i come across and i move to the next the next and i come back to the first people they've spawned again really wow yeah but they're already aggro when i get there because they're standing on top of the bodies of the ones i just killed and i just kept doing it and just got loads of money and loot to craft down and get rid of and I was just like, this is weird. This 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 is not this has not been tested. Like you said, we're playing the beta. That's what that's what they've released. Cyberpunk yeah. is the beta test. Um, you know, I put on Twitter and, and on Facebook that this is this is like Final Fantasy fifteen. When we got Final Fantasy fifteen, yeah, we got the beta of the game. We had an open world that was empty and had fuck all in it. There were like barely any real good side missions to do. There were just like the, the hunt missions that you could go and do or a few little things. Most of the world was not interactive. You could go not you couldn't do anything in it and it was just there. And they started fixing a lot of this as time went on. But then the problem is Square just got sick of it and just gave up on the fucking game. Um and never ever finished the last couple of mission the last couple of DLCs you were meant to get. Yeah, that's true. I think with I think with CD Projekt Red, they've got more staying power, because unlike with Square Enix, that game wasn't going to break Square's reputation. This could, because outside of this, CD Projekt Red have been living off of one game. Yeah, you know they've been living off the reputation of The Witcher Three, and that and that's it. I know, yeah, Witcher One and Two, but no one played them like in comparison. The Witcher The Witcher Three is the game that everyone loved that people rave about, it's got such high ratings, that gave them a momentum to make Cyberpunk, and they drop the ball, and if they don't pick it back up and score, they're going to be in fucking trouble for any future games. And, and you're also going to see people, investors and shit, go, we ain't invested in these fuckers again. So they have to fix it, and they have to fix it this year. Yeah, I'm looking up right now how many copies... Okay, so... By October 2019, I think that is uh, Final Fantasy 15 came out in 2017. Is that correct? Uh, I think 2016. 2016, so three years after it came out, 8.9 million copies. Uh, what's it called? Cyberpunk 2077. After refunds, with all the pre-orders and everything calculated, after the money they paid back, they still moved 13 million copies and you still have a bunch of people who are just waiting for the game to be in a working state to get it so that's right there 15 
million. They 100% have far more staying power. Uh, and they have, a, like you were saying, a lot more skin in the game to pick this game up and actually make it fucking work. Plus, another thing is uh, CD Projekt has GOG. So they're selling a lot of copies through GOG, which means they're getting a lot more revenue because that is their service. Yeah. Um, which GOG is kind of a, it is a really good service in that it's, uh, what is it, DRM free? So you can actually own your games. Yeah. Um, so that is nice. But GOG only has like like old obscure games and they have Witcher and Cyberpunk. So like they want to get Cyberpunk working. You're totally right about that. Yeah, they they need to. And and like I said, reputation's a huge thing. There are going to be people that will never play another CD Projekt Red game now. And they know that. That are just going to go, fuck them. I, I can't imagine what it must be like for someone who has a base PS4, mm-hmm. who followed this game for years. The guys who were wearing the merchandise before they fucking got hold of the game. Like, there were people out there like it. People who had YouTube channels, for example, dedicated to a game they'd never played before. Um, the people sending death threats to Jesus Christ, yeah. reviewers who said it was shit. Those nutters must feel like fucking morons now. They have kind of a right to be angry. They do. And I mean, they, people, were, they were morons before. were getting before, like but... Cyberpunk 2077 edition Xboxes that couldn't even run the fucking game. <laughs> they had these like yellow yeah. Cyberpunk Xboxes and this shit didn't work. <laughs> the whole that whole scenario just screams of bad development development woes one thing i'm really into is uh what they call cursed movies films that never get released yeah they they go to make a movie and they fuck it up they don't release it or it does get released and you can see that halfway through the movie they swap directors and the story fucks off in another direction this is like the game equivalent of that where somewhere along the line Everything on this game just changed into something completely different, and they did not have enough time to finish it. But you it. also had, in conjunction with that, the hype kept growing exponentially for it, based on what it was originally sold as. I mean, it was meant to come out the same week as 7R. Yeah. You know, that's almost a year ago, and we're only getting it, you know, we only got it in December. It was meant to be out in March. By March of this year, it's still not going to be ready. Yeah. The game, the game should have been out probably at the end of 21. And then it would have been a fucking really good game. And by that point, they could have fucked off the PS4 and, and Xbox One and said it's not coming out on that anymore. I think that um, that analogy, is that an analogy or an idiom that you used towards the beginning that perfectly describes it is the eyes were too big for the stomach. So I'm thinking, because we've, we've spoke about kind of what went wrong, I know from personal conversations with you that there is a lot you want to talk about. So, like, what do you think is the best thing about this game? Like, the very best thing in the game? Um, my... I have to say, uh, the reason I ran through the main story when I first played it is because it grabbed me immediately. Um, so what CD Projekt Forsake in terms of this big really interactive open world that you could have a impact on they gave that up and they brought this really again there's this like linear very concrete story they want to tell but it is really fucking good um i I think all this stuff with johnny is amazing i think just keanu did a good job as johnny and keanu reeves is kind of a weird actor where he reads lines badly 
but he has such a unique cadence and delivery that it works. And he, he even does it really well. Like it works even more as Johnny Silverhand. Like I don't even, I'm not even like a Keanu Reeves fan, but playing this game kind of got me subscribing to him a little bit. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, I think, like I couldn't. He, he's to a point. I couldn't see anyone else doing the role. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's how well he did with it, or that's how the way he played it. He made it a believable thing, a believable character, a living, breathing character, as opposed to just like you could change voice actors at any time on most games, and no one would give a shit. Like with this, he fucking nailed Silverhand. Yes, and you also have. So again, like my first time playing, I played as Male V and Male V's voice acting, who I'm not actually sure. I want to give credit to the person, so I might look that up in a second. But the voice acting of Male V is, I thought it was fucking really good. It seems like no matter what option you choose in any uh, dialogue interface, even if it doesn't have that much impact in the long run, every line is delivered very well. Um, Female V is okay. Um, some, some lines are really well done and some lines are like, they don't quite hit as right. Cause you can tell they're putting female V in situations that like male V really should be in. For instance, uh, when you go to the strip club, uh, it's called, uh, uh, what's it called? Like the Mox owned, not clouds, Liz- Lizzie's, Lizzie's bar. bar. So you go to that joint, the brain dance, it's not a strip club, it's a brain dance joint. And when you go as male V, they're like, oh, hey, input, this and that. Like, you know, what's up? Do you want to, you know, you want to brain dance? All right, don't grope anybody. And male V is like, come on, do I really look that green to you? Like he could play the part of a creep, right? Then female V comes up and she's like this self-assured, confident, like chick. So if she was a sex worker, they would have known her because they're the mocks because they know all of them. So the only other option is that she's a fucking cop. She should have got smoked on the spot. So like sometimes female V like doesn't work, but the voice acting is still good. So other than the whole storyline with Johnny being good, the voice acting is also there. Yeah, I've looked at a lot of female V stuff just to see, it's a bit like the Judy things, because obviously you can't do that as male V. And the, the stuff with River as well, you can't do some of the romance stuff with that with male right. V either, which I'll touch on. River should have been a gay dude. Like <laughs> he kind of dressed like he, one, ain't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he just looks gay. Um, he looks like he stepped he off flirts. the gay section of the Indian reservation. Yeah, he, he just looks like a gay Tyler Durden to me. Um, <laughs> he, he, but he's like well flirty, like the whole time with male V, and obviously it's because the lines were written for both. The whole way through it, I was like, oh, this is the gay one, right? Because I didn't, I hadn't, I hadn't done the Kerry stuff at that point. I was like, "Oh, this is the gay romance." And so I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do everything." So it's like, I'm gonna kiss him, and, he, and he's like, "Whoa!" Like, <laughs> oh, you could do that as male V. I didn't even know that. That's yeah, you can try and kiss him on the rooftop as male V. And he, he fucking, he's like, he's like, "Nah, man, that's." Not and you cool. just say to him, "You're um, like, dude, you can't blame me. You got the fluffy jacket on, and you got like the cross hanging, dangling from one ear." And you're not well, Odell Beckham Jr. That so. to me says gay. Yeah. Like if you've got a cross hanging from one ear, you're either a devout Christian or a gay. And he's trying to do like the vo- like the Batman voice, like uh, just tell me what you know. Like it's like, all right, come on, dude. Like I know you're hiding something, you know. Yeah, that little vest on his tight fitting <laughs> pants and his big fur jacket. That yeah. just yeah, it's just that you know, he's he, he's like he's compensating. Um, but I actually found the friendship between him and V 
like re- almost similar to how Jackie and V were. Like it was almost mirroring that. So I kind of felt like River should have probably just been a gay dude, and um, or they should have opened it up that every character was bisexual and just gone that route with it. Um, Could have been the other. No, way. I mean, like I, I definitely like that they uh, they took a hard stance with some, like uh, Judy, or I guess every character has a one that they prefer. Um, like Pan Am is like she'll go after male V and Judy is for like female V. I kind of like that because it gives them their own personal like it gives them it adds to their own personality. And but you could tell Judy walks like a fucking linebacker dog. Like it, if you ever see her walk, she walks like she, you know. I, yeah, she 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 calls you Chumba. Like she's she doesn't just say Chum. She <laughs> she pronounces the full word. That is what a bro does. Like that is like Judy Judy has been down a few roads with a few chicks by the time you've met her that yeah. you know straight away that Judy's not into dudes. It, it, the way she is with Evelyn, she was like, oh, hey. And she's like, oh, is this the guy you've brought in here? Yeah, like, yeah. Know, like, like, stuff like that is really well done. So to go back to your question about, like, just what was well done, other than the main story, the voice acting, the characters, largely really well done. Uh, to the point where, even going back to what we were saying before, like, I wanted more of some... Like, I wanted more Vic. Like, I just think Victor is in my top three of that fucking game. Because Victor plays that dad role, right? Like, a fatherly figure in V's life is what yeah. Victor plays. And there should have just been fucking more of it. Because because he's also... Because he's a ripper doc and he's a doctor, essentially, he's quite a fucking brutalist when it comes to, like, what he thinks V should do. Yeah. Like, his opinion on what he thinks V should do is die. Plus his, like, he has this, just the correct amount of attachment and detachment. Like, the balance there is so perfect. It's like he he knows, like, what he wants you to do, but he, he can't bring himself to say it. And he's sheltered like a dude's, like a dude is. He's like a dude. He's, like, so realistic. Like, I know guys like that. I'm like, that is a good fucking character. Mama Wells, fucking tremendous. Fucking tremendous. I mean, like, some of these characters are just so uh, absolutely well done. They really are. Yeah, and then moments. There are moments in the game. Like, when you go to Clouds and you have to choose the prostitute to lay down with, and you think, you think you're going there That for is sexes. the best scene in the game. That is the best scene. And then you lay on the bed with them, yeah. and you're like, this is fucking fucked up. Like, this is really weird. I, I'm, I will stand by this, and I don't... Uh, I, there's no other scene that rivals that one. The scene in Automatic Love, the quest Automatic Love, when you are talking to the doll, whether it's the... Because the funny thing about that quest is you and I both fucked it up, where we thought, like, Angel was the <laughs> chick. <laughs> yeah, uh, Angel's definitely the chick, and Sky is the or dude. the other That's one was, like, yeah, one of them is a chick, it. like, but they both have chick names. Yeah, so you go, and it's like, it, in your lane with a dude, it's like, whoa. So... But, like, when you... I've met Spanish guys called angels, like... <laughs> so, maybe that's where I fucked up, you know? Like, <laughs> But, like, the, when you actually, like... I Look, I restarted the game because nothing against anybody. I'm just not gay. So, I had to restart the game, and then when <laughs> I got the correct option, and you're, like, you're talking to them, and then they, like, lay on the bed with you, and it's, like, this, like, almost a half a fourth wall break... It, it's just a, such a real fucking moment. It's so well done. And it's kind of like a... It's almost like the game's thesis in a weird way. It encompasses 
V's unwillingness to die, but trying to be led to accept that because that is inevitable um, as with the, yeah. as is to be, you know, that's what happens in the end of the game. Uh, and just an exploration of dealing with having this other fucking person inside of you, but he's also becoming Johnny. That's another thing that was, I can't say that was as well done as other aspects of the game, but the V becoming Johnny and Johnny becoming V and them being intertwined as to why they can't really truly be separated at the end. Uh, like, you know, the automatic love quest when you're landing, like that's another thing that they're trying to get you to come to terms with like early on, like that scene fucking nailed it for me. I was subscribing from that point on. They, they do that heavily in the Johnny keeps the body ending and that whole ending is fucking miserable I was playing it and I was like I'm gonna have to put this down this is fucking depressing Johnny the cocksaw motherfucker like he's he's fucked now like him without V is not he cannot exist now without V like he's he's just broken by the fact that that V is no longer there. And you're like, everything you're led to believe about Johnny up until that moment, this is a slap in the face. And I even says it to the little kid that you give the guitar to, and it's like, oh, I used to be a this. And he's like, yeah, but I've changed. Like, I, I can't be what I once was. And they do that a little bit with V in his various different en- endings without Johnny. He's never going to be the same. The biggest one is the uh, where you trust Arasaka. That ending, it's called like uh, Where Is My Mind or something like that. After you decide to trust yeah. them and you help out uh, Hanako and all that, you end up on... And you're in a space station. Yeah, you end up on the space station <laughs> and they surgically, they successfully surgically removed Johnny's like persona uh, from you, your mind and your body. Johnny's out. But you have so become ingrained with him at that point that the mere act of them separating him from you took a part of you. So, like, all the colors are fucked up. Like, you don't know who you are anymore. Like, yeah, that is... Uh, so that, I mean, that I thought it was pretty well done. Um, does it... At the end of the day, does the... Like, what is the game trying to say? Um, I think stuff like that, where they become intertwined, though it's, like, realistic that if we had that kind of technology in the current day where somebody's like persona could overwrite your consciousness, like I could see that being realistic. Does it work thematically? Eh? Like the game to me is more about like not fading away, even if you die or, uh, so maybe that's, I don't know. That's something that's like left ambiguous for me. Maybe you can answer. Do you think, uh, the game drove its themes home? Do you think it did a good job of that? So after getting the like weird secret ending, but doing it during the rogue mission, yeah, uh, yes, because the the thing I've not seen much of it online, and I, I'm going to try and record it. Actually, I think I'm going to redo the mission and record it. There is a a point in the game where you can choose for Johnny to keep the body, and you are in control of V. And you say, Johnny, you keep the body. And Johnny goes, no, I can't do that. And then you, he, he wanders off to the corner with Rogue. And then it gives you the option to go to the light with Rogue or go to your body. Now, most people at that point go to the well and Johnny goes with Rogue. And then you get this secret ending going to space and all that. 
because Johnny said, no, I will not take your body. Whereas if you don't have a high enough um, sync with him, yeah. if you say, keep my body, he'll go, okay, and he takes it, and you just get the depressing Johnny ending. When you do the mission where you go with Rogue, that bit's flipped. You're in control of Johnny, and V is sat there with with um, Alt ready to go off into the light. And then you make the decision to give Johnny the body as Johnny, and then Johnny goes, I can't, I can't do this. I can't take this body. Like this is ridiculous. And then it says walk towards the walk walk towards the light and leave V. When you walk towards the light in this scenario, V starts punching you and attacks you and knocks knocks Johnny to the floor and is like going, "No, you piece of shit, take the body. I'm going to die. I I I can't go back cuz I'm gone." Like, I've got nothing to live for anymore. I'm not here anymore. Like, I've got six months or whatever. I, I, like, take it, live. Live for both of us. Do it for both of us. And then you keep walking, and he keeps attacking you over and over, and he says different stuff along the way. And then Johnny goes to the light. You get the secret ending with V, and he's with Pan Am, and he's like, I'm getting on a space shuttle and fucking off and doing this big gig, this big mission in fucking space. And when you get to that point, you're like, what the fuck's he gone to do? Has he gone to get Johnny back? Has he got like what like he's what is he going to do? Because that that way of doing it adds some extra context. And in that context, all that other thematic stuff makes a lot of sense. But how many people are seeing that ending? Because there's too not there's too many options, but there are plenty of fucking options. There's there's an option to keep the fucking uh, Japanese fella alive that I recently discovered. Uh, I don't know if he I don't know if he died in my game. He just stopped talking to me. <laughs> Except wait, when I did the Pan Am ending, he left a voicemail cursing me out and calling me a traitor because I didn't because I did the Pan Am one and I didn't do the Arasaka one. So he was still alive. But I don't know, like, when he dies or when he lives like that. So that's another thing with, like, the characters that kind of, like, stop. Like, Takamura, I love Takamura, even though he's got a really stereotypical, like, Japanese voice. like oh. Stoic, yeah, stoic Japanese yeah, uh, character. It almost sounds like more like a American person's impression of a Japanese dude than, like, a Japanese dude who's like, oh, the squirrel meet by the dock at uh, 6 o'clock or, or some shit. Like, it's <laughs> like, you're like, what are you talking about, old man? Yeah, it's like, yeah. so, but the the space station ending, um, the one where you go to the space station, not the Arasaka, trust Arasaka ending, when I got it, uh, that feels right in a lot of ways because you get to pay homage to Jackie. Um, because that was the goal was to become like legends and like, it's like legends never fade away type stuff like that. And when you get to the, I didn't get the secret ending, but I got the basic one of that where you talk to Claire and Claire asks you what you want to drink. And you're like, give me a Jackie Wells. Uh, and she's like, oh, you're still thinking about that guy or you really respect that guy a lot or whatever. Uh, and then you fuck off and you go to the, the crystal palace or whatever, that space station out there. Um, so that one feels right. Like I, I'm not entirely sure. And that's still. where a DLC would take place, right? I can understand. Yeah, that could a be DLC taking place on. Yeah, 
Like that that looks like what I would think is the most canon version of the ending. Um, but I'm not sure. See, I did it, but I did differently. When I got to that, I chose the Johnny. I chose the Silver Hand drink. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then I, like I said, I'd just seen this scene where V's like fucking crying and like on his hands and knees begging Johnny not to fucking yeah, die. With that context, yeah, I could, yeah. It's a tough one, man. That's uh, but so that's another. I know we want to talk about what the game did right, um, and I think that is probably the ending to go with to really put the cherry on top of the experience. Yeah. But something that left me uh, with a bad taste in my mouth was like how inconclusive a lot of the endings were. And even like when I first got the Pan Am, and Pan Am ending, I wasn't exactly sure what I was supposed to take from it. Like, I think it's supposed to be like a love kind of conquers all ending, like the another optimistic one. But at the end of the day, it's like that nothing is promised. You're kind of, I don't I don't know if you're like lying to her, if you're not, if you didn't tell her that you're going to die in six months or if she knows and it's like. Uh, it, yeah, she knows if there's options, right? So depending on what you say to her, I came completely clean to her in my playthrough when I had the ending. So at that point, she knew what was going to happen and they're kind of like and we don't know what we might find we might find someone who can help your can like someone who can help someone who can fix it she says all that shit and then you go and get the ending where you fuck off with her um and to me i felt that was a bit more conclusive because it's like again from a dlc scenario if you chose that ending do you start in this other area where you fix V from dying, and then you have to return to Night City. Same as if you chose the ending where you go to fucking space and you have to do this heist on the Crystal Palace, you do something that either brings Johnny back or, again, stops V from dying, no, but you would, end up back in Night City. If there you know? was to be a DLC with a conclusive ending that took place after one of the already established endings, it would have to be the Crystal Palace secret ending. Because in that one, you can have your uh, romance interest there already. Uh, the Pan Am ending is very specifically Pan Am. You have to be playing like straight male V to get that. And that puts you in a completely, that puts you somewhere that's not even uh, a fucking part of the game. That, again, that's like New Mexico or Arizona or somewhere in the Midwest, the American Midwest. Um, but I think they could but even looking at come how up the, with Looking completely... at how the game does stuff, like yeah. it might give you one town. Like, one small town to do a mission in and then return to Night City. The Crystal Palace might be one area. Yeah, I believe that. You do these I... missions. Mm -hmm. and, and in the same way that your beginnings are, right? So, Street Kid, Corpo, Nomad. You have this one little mission and it always leads to the same start of the game. Is like the DLC will be one little mission, depending on what ending you chose, which will always lead to the same start of the DLC, no matter what you did. Well, because um, my assumption is that, like, going back to what we were saying about how recent this new, uh, this concrete main storyline has been introduced, uh, that ending, as per the release of the game, 
if that was going to be a thing where they made three different like towns based on what ending you chose, they had not been created yet. So that they would have to make that. So it, going with that logic, they would not make three separate ending areas for you to explore. It'd be one ending. My guess was if they don't go off the Crystal Palace ending, they would create a new ending. So when you go to Hanako, and you actually suggested this when we talked uh, a few days ago. Like yeah, where you they go might to just meet, make a cannon ending. Yeah, Hanako at Embers, there's a new option. Or along the way, there's a new option, and that is the canon definitive ending that's what i would go with just because i don't think the groundwork is in place for them to do these separate endings like again i think uh they were probably cutting shit up until the last second so yeah we'll and the the other thing that a lot of people were suggesting is v story is finished and whatever they introduce next is a completely new you make a new character you make a new this to me they put too much investment in V and his story. And also, I feel too much of a connection now with V. Yeah. So here's another option. Trust Arasaka ending where you actually do secure your soul and you become a construct. That Now you your construct has been downloaded into somebody. And there's a whole new 20, 30-hour campaign where you play as a person with V in your head, potentially. Yeah, because obviously that's the, like, there's, but see, all of those things, though, like, all of the way, like, and for me, Mass Effect is what did this to me. No matter what you do at the end of each Mass Effect game and the choices you make, when you play the sequel, you all, you play the same fucking game regardless of the choices you made. They just have a little bit different at the beginning. Just a tiny little reference to like something not being the same, right? And I see that I see that with this. There will be a mission. You start up the DLC. There will be a mission, whether it's on the Crystal Palace, whether it's in some little podunk town, uh, whether it's escaping the space the space station that Arasaka have you on, where or escaping the mind prison, the uh, you know secure to get back to your body or whatever it is that leads to then the next story being continued and all you do is have a couple of hours doing one thing different yeah i could see that too because 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 i've seen it too many times like mass effect did it in every fucking they have three games that all did the same bloody thing um one thing i did notice that that i'll bring up because you've done street kid for your second one right Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, so I did Nomad for my second. We both did Corpo. Uh, the Nomad story seems a lot shorter than the Corpo story to start the game. You know what? I noticed that about Street Kid. Uh, I actually told my friend that last night um, that the Street Kid seemed shorter than the Corpo. Uh, then I thought back on it, and it seems like it when you first start like we both started our first playthrough as corpo correct yeah okay you're running around you're doing more exploration as corpo like, there's not a lot to explore but you're first getting the hang of the game and you're walking around the arasaka facility or the one floor you have access to uh so it feels longer it also just feels 
more complete. Um, like you already know Jackie in the beginning of the Corpo. And you actually, the first person yeah. you talk to in Corpo is Jackie, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He's on the phone um, when you're looking at yourself in the mirror. So it, it just feels longer. It's, it's a perception thing. I don't think it's actually longer. Yeah, because I felt that when playing the, uh, the Nomad, like basically you start off, you're, in, you're like fixing up your car. And then a sheriff comes mm-hmm. and gives you shit. And he's like, oh, get out of my town. And you can't do anything in that town. You literally get in your car and drive, uh, fix up a, a tower, get on the radio to your old people, and then you meet Jackie, and then it all goes to shit and you have to run away. Like, that's... And then, boom, you get that same fucking video, Jackie dancing like he's Eddie Guerrero. Like <laughs> The montage, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get the same montage. Yeah. Um, no, nah, I think it's a perception thing, because when I started the game again as Street Kid, I just ran through to the destination marker. I had already known the Coyote because I played the game before and I'd been there for the funeral. So I already knew. So I just went to where the marker said to go, made my choices, ran into Jackie, uh, who is supposed to be, who's also supposed to be stealing the car that you're stealing or he's guarding it, uh, whatever. There's a shortcut scene and then the montage. And then you start once all the gleam is taken away and it's not new anymore. It just feels like it progresses faster. Yeah, it could be, it could be that as well. Cause you're not excited. Yeah. Like, the way you once were i'd still Um, contend that corpo is the way to start the game it just feels like it from my what i've heard you describe nomad as and what i heard on the first cyberpunk episode you did with the guys um who started was it jake started as uh nomad yeah female nomad what i heard of nomad and me playing street kid and then playing corpo i think corpo's got to be the way to go it makes the most sense thematically and it just it puts you in a position where you already know Jackie and you've already been through some shit. Yeah. And I'd imagine like when writing a game, writing a story, you have no matter whether it's got branching options, there's always a Canon one. There's always, there's always one that is like the option for the game. And I, even with the way the game's written, male V seems like the real Canon option because there are some things that just seem very, very out of place for a woman. Um, even in the cyberpunk world, where yeah. men and women, the difference between genders is not so, you know, the lines are blurred. There are stuff that just seems completely out of place for a, for a, a woman to say, even in that universe. Right. Like, again, like the, you know, when you go to the Lizzie's Bar thing, or just any, probably any of the beat on the brat situations the side the boxing side quests which there probably could have been more of yeah i haven't done any of them as female v but it's like i know we have implants but it's like i know the last dude you fight uh is giant and he's from pacifica and my my female v looks like some little e-girl who would be posted on facebook <laughs> she looks like ramona flowers or some shit dude like i'm not even playing with you yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's your not fa- your, fa- your favorite yeah she, yeah. <laughs> she looks like aubrey plaza or some she's not beating the dude from fucking pacifica she's not <laughs> happening i don't give a fuck how much titanium is in your skull it's not going down like that so but it's like you can it's a suspension of disbelief thing there at least yeah yeah like it's so hard like looking at the game i felt very differently before i'd finished it to how i did once i'd finished it because 
when I got to the, I did a couple of the endings. I've done three endings, and I had this like extra, like a few little things to wrap up, and then there is nothing, and it's like an empty fucking world now, where I, I've got no reason to fucking be in it at all, but I'm still driving around looking for secrets, searching for shit, seeing if I can find something. I feel very different. Like when I when I uh, did the first episode, I was like, it's like an eight out of ten. Like I'm now dropping it down to a seven mm-hmm. because because there's just there's too much missing that should be there. Way too much missing that should be there. So the funny thing about that is, again, like um, I think I think you did a significant amount more side questing and side stuff than I did before you beat the game. Uh, when I, I ran through it, I did it in about like, um, cause I did some side stuff. So I think almost 40 hours, a little under, I actually beat the game for the first time and I got the Pan Am ending at that point. I gave it about a seven, um, for the stuff that was missing and how, uh, like the ending didn't really feel like what was being built up to, uh, or it was not built up to properly, et cetera. Now that I'm have beat the game and gotten multiple endings and I'm playing through it again just the actual and now playing on PC again is a big bonus um it just it looks really good like this is the way the game is supposed to look um which is oh, a shame because sure. if you're not playing on next gen console or a higher end PC you're not getting it that's a solid point i would have to bump it up to an 8 for that alone because it feels like you're in a fucking music video it just does. Um, and even looking up clips on YouTube of what it looks like on highest settings on the highest NPC doesn't quite do it justice. Um, Some of the shit, we, we've got a, a mutual friend, Chris. He's been posting a lot of screenshots from his game. Some of them look fucking phenomenal, and he's playing on PC. Yeah, it's it, it's really insane. So for me, I mean, the, and now actually just when you also when you kind of beat the game and you detach yourself from it, the story at least, and you just run around and do shit, it becomes more fun, especially because you know what happens and you could just do it at your own pace. Um, I actually bump it up. I, I probably, even with all the stuff that's missing, um, I, I give it at least a 7.5 or maybe an eight still. If it didn't crash as much, it would be an eight. It's still crashing a lot. Yeah, it is still the, cra- the crashing still still ha- it's happening less, but it's still it's still happening. Um, one thing I will say that is a ten out of ten, which we touched on very very briefly, is the music in this game. Oh yeah, uh, like the music in like there are no songs in the game that I'm like this is shit and I fucking hate it. Even ones that I'm not really are not my style fit the theme of the yeah. game. There was, um, there so, there's like a hidden, there are a number of hidden songs. Like there was one hidden song, uh, that plays rarely. It's called, uh, Flaco Loco and it's ASAP Rocky. It's, it's like a really short, it's like a one minute 45 song, but it'll play once in a while, once in a while when you get in the car. Like I was bumping that song for weeks after I found that shit. And then, uh, like the actual style of music, I'm not sure what you would call it if it's like, uh industrial or whatever that plays through most of the game like johnny silverhand's theme the battle music and stuff. So, it's not quite what i'm into but it's still good but the music 
by the fictional band Samurai, which is in real life. I think they're a Polish band, Refused. Like, that shit is fucking... That shit was great. Well, I think they're Polish just because I'd heard the guy talking in in the interview. He sounds like he's from there, wherever, like, you know, over there. He has that kind of accent. Uh, And plus, if you look up the remix that plays at the end, which is probably my favorite song in the game, that remix of Never Fade Away. Yeah, Yeah, with the chick singing. They have Polish names. Um, So it's like, I think they took from a lot of, because a lot of the people who work at CD Projekt are Polish, and then there's a mix of people who are not, who are just from around. But um, they did take from a lot of Polish artists too to do different stuff in the game. And some of that is the soundtrack. But um, whether they are or not, um, if they are, that's cool that they, you know, had that kind of nationalistic pride or whatever. That's cool. Uh, the music is just great in the fictional band Samurai. Because you ever watch like a movie where they try to write their own music for a band, like a fictional band in the story that they're supposed to be big, but you listen to the music and it's shit. It's like you listen to the songs that were written for the game like that five song album for Samurai. And it's like, okay, I can hear why these guys were big in this world. Like that would like, yeah, it's good. And the weird thing about it as well, these songs are referenced in the 2020 cyberpunk 2020, um, tabletop. So the titles are referenced, not, not the lyrics. The lyrics don't come from that. So this band had to take, song titles from a tabletop RPG and then make them fit in a video game but also make the lyrics intrinsic to the fucking story of the game that takes some doing and then also make the songs good at the same time yeah they did and they fucking did a phenomenal job with all of that but specifically never fade away it's like my favorite song in the whole fucking thing um i prefer the samurai version to the uh girl but i like the girl one too yeah you know i've heard that from a couple of people and i i agree because i'm more of a rock guy but i do really like the ending yeah i really like i I really like the ending version as well but like uh i just love that that whole samurai thing i've been listening i've listened to shit out of it Mm -hmm. that fucking samurai five track and like as as i was saying um to you and a few other people a few days back like the song black dog for example like the lyrics of that fit johnny and v's journey that's the one where he's like the voice in the head stuff like that yeah the black dog the black dog in a black dog in my head leading me to the end it's like yeah yeah this that's what this fucking game that's the story of this game something interesting about it which is um i'm gonna I'll, I'll throw a final fantasy reference in here final fantasy 10 you remember the character Orin, obviously but like when his theme plays how reminiscent it sounds compared to the rest of the soundtrack like it sounds a little bit like uh, not older but it sounds like it's supposed to be more old-timey like they did the same thing with uh the Refuse did the same thing as the fictional band Samurai for the songs in the game. Like, it sounds like when I listen to this, it sounds like I'm listening to something that came out like mid to late 80s. Like, this is not the music that is made today. 
So it sounds as a player, like yeah. listening to it, it, I feel like it's reminiscent as V would listen to it and feel like it's reminiscent to him or her. Like, so that's like a really interesting way they did it. Yeah, like this is stuff right. that was around when V was younger or, yeah, like an, old, like an older version of music. And it's quite contemporary as well because it has a lot of 80s stuff in there, but then it has a lot of like 90s guitar style riffs in it too. And those two things technically wouldn't go together. But again, somehow they've managed to fit that sort of 80s rock metal sound with like a, an almost 90s new metal sound together and, and make it its own thing. It's, it's a really weird um, like style of music, style of rock music. Like for me, I went and listened to some of Refused other stuff and it doesn't sound... Like what they no, did. No, it sounds like some emo shit. Like, it sounds like some screamo shit from yeah. like the early two thousands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they fucking they went out of their way to create a sound that they don't normally use. Like yeah. some dedication for to them. A shout out to them because they they did really well with that. And they probably bagged themselves a couple of hundred thousand new listeners for the rest of their sound, the rest of their music too. And it's well-deserved. It really is. Yeah, definitely shout-out to them. Um, but, I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on before we start wrapping up? Uh, you know, it's hard because with this game, and, and as I said about the way I keep thinking about like it's played on my mind a lot. Um, much like the first Cyberpunk episode, there is... It, 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 the things I think about this game... They come to me as I'm discussing it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't come into it going, I've got all these things I want to say about it. I, like, discover my feelings about the game as I fucking talk about it. Yeah. Um, which which, which is seldom for me in video games these days that do that. Uh, I think the last time a game did that to me, it was Final Fantasy X, which you, which you already mentioned. Yeah. Well, or maybe Nier. Nier is a good example because they're both... Well, Nier is not quite even not even nearly as open world as um cyberpunk is like it's just it's not but it leaves you with all these little impactful experiences that come flooding back to you when you start talking about it like if you try to look at a game yeah. like either near or cyberpunk if you try to take a step back and look at it uh through a smaller lens it's hard to you know wrap it up and make it succinct but as you do talk about it yeah, I understand exactly what you're saying. Like, there's tons of yeah, memories just... I have from little side quests in Cyberpunk, uh, all all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like when I did the first Cyberpunk episode, I was like, I'm gonna end up, I'm gonna have to do about five episodes on this bloody topic. I knew as soon as we got to the end of the first one that it's going to be one of many because there's going to be also there's going to be like DLCs and patches and other stuff to talk about. Um, one thing I will say is I find their world, the world of cyberpunk scary because it's, it's so close to our world and a lot of the movements forward seem very fucking believable to me. Yeah. I thought, um, I thought it's, it's scary to think that not only could could these corporations grow to this size, which we have some corporations that could almost be considered like mega corporations, like Google is fast approaching that status. 
You know what I mean? Like, like look at look at Facebook. Look, big tech is getting there. To think, like, if they were ever armed, like, if they ever thought to militarize and arm themselves because they have some kind of conflict with the government, uh, it's, it is scary. I think. Or you have a police force, or you have a police force that is so inept that they're murdering people uh, of a certain color en masse mm. over and over again, that a private police force may be a better option. Right. That's not, that's not out of our fucking current remit, is it, you know? No, it's not. <laughs> and and these were a lot of a lot of things I thought when playing this game was like how would we end up here? Like that's one huge thing I had was like how could we end up in this bit? And then I'd see like a tweet by Elon Musk going yes the uh, the neural eyes for blind that we're working on. I'm like yeah this is how we end up there. Like it starts off as a good thing. Um, we're going to help people see for the first time, and then it just starts. With, rolling like out of con- like we hit a point of no return with augmentation that we can never turn back from and cyberpunk feels like like a logical a logical point in in our future that we're going to end up at for the most part yeah i mean there are some differences um if you look at the the way the world of cyberpunk 2077 is built it's a much um, it's a much more primitive understanding of how things like the internet would work. So there, our internet is nothing like their net. Like their net is a physical thing that you interface with, and you have to dive in and out of. Like we we will not probably be there maybe ever or for a very long time. Uh, so, well, our internet we don't have to really dive in and out of now. Like if you look at mobile phones, yeah. we don't have to dive into it we just pick it up and we're there and if our if your phone like it as it is operating the way your phone does now but this was thinking in your head it is vastly superior to the net of the cyberpunk world by leaps and miles currently if it was just our phone in our head it's already currently leaps ahead of what they have and we still have our own like net runners they're just hackers they hack you know and they can hack anything from your personal information or uh anything on your computer to government uh mainframes or anything commercial you know what i mean so uh, you're right it's completely not far off from where we are or, or our current trajectory yeah and um i don't know about you actually i, f- I think i already know the answer is this a preferred setting for you in a video game? Oh yeah, yeah, you already know that. Like I, I mean, I'll, I'll do. I could do um, modern. Modern day is a little bit boring because I mean we live it every day, but I could do modern day cyberpunk or anything post-apocalyptic futury, uh, anything from Final Fantasy VII to cyberpunk to near automata. I can do. Um, yeah, and th- that's the, I'm I'm with you on that. That's this. It's my. I mean, I said it on the first episode. Cyberpunk as a genre is my favorite kind of sci-fi genre. So, like, I was yeah. going into this game, like, as a fan of Blade Runner, as a fan of Seven, yeah. Final Fantasy Seven, is huge, huge cyberpunk influence on that. You know, as a fan of Battle Angel Elite and Cyber City Oedo and and, and uh, Goku Midnight Eye, like those sort of old animes mm-hmm. from the late 80s and early 90s, I went into this as a fan of that. And this is my preferred 
universe to play in without fail like more of this game companies if you're fucking listening square enix where's the next deus ex games right like come on cyberpunk's dropped the ball announce a fucker now like get get an announcement out by the way we're doing this you know it's coming i mean you you saw the whole trend that started with like the nordic style high fantasy setting like well, all the skyrim yeah. witcher uh assassin's creed valhalla you got every like everything was like doing that and now cyberpunk was such a big title things are inevitably going to follow uh in the wake of this so i'm looking forward yeah to that wave of new releases um but yeah that's my final thoughts i don't know if you've got any final thoughts john that you want to you want to say no, the game uh is fucking tremendous uh and my bladder's probably going to explode soon because i don't have one of those cybernetic yeah i was thinking the yeah. same thing i was like i'm, I'm ready to actually piss myself <laughs> yeah so i mean that's it for me i mean thanks for having me on dude. no no anytime man like you're part of the team you're part of the crew uh I'll say this on air. I'll say this for you. You know, uh, the interview you did with Susan was brilliant. So uh, thanks for that. That was great. Oh, yeah. Uh, shout out. Definitely a big shout out to Susan Calloway. That'll be my final thought. Um, check her out. If, like anybody who's a fan of Final Fantasy XIV uh, will, or just Distant Worlds, the, um, the traveling uh, orchestra that performs music from the Final Fantasy series, will know Susan Calloway as largely the voice of that. Um, she is phenomenal, and she she was really, like, I can't stress enough, uh, some kind of, like, unhinged just bundle of energy. Like, you could tell if you listen to You guys should go back and listen to it, dude. She was a ton of fun to talk to. She was like a singularity, like a Tachyon <laughs> or something. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm glad you uh, you enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good It was a good episode. It was a good episode for me. To actually be able to have a this guy's sick episode that I can listen to. <laughs> yeah, it's not often that happens. No, right? no, no not <laughs> no, at all. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, obviously, you guys all know Johnny's that he's done multiple episodes. We're going to do more episodes with him. Uh, a thing with me now, I'm now back in lockdown. Guernsey, uh, where I live, has now gone into lockdown again. So I don't know if I'm going to do more, but there's a good chance I may do more episodes. Uh, than usual over the next few weeks. Yeah, Hopefully. Yeah. Um, no, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, have a good one.